0: This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols and Gongs. Make sure you follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, They've got some video lessons and stuff on their website, which we'll talk about later in the episode. But they have a special announcement on June 10th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Third Coast Recording Company in Grand Haven, Michigan. They are having a Dream Hang, which will be a symbol and beverage tasting event featuring a performance with Scott Pellegrom and his band. Um, so yeah, if you're in the Grand Haven, Michigan area on June 10th, you want to go over to Third Coast Recording Company and check it out and hang out, check out some cymbals, watch Scott uh, Pellegrin play with his band. Check it out now. Let's get rolling.
1: What is up, everyone? And welcome into episode 144 of the Modern Journal Podcast with Mike and Mike. Holy hell. One million downloads. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you all so much. Mike and I seriously appreciate it. All right, now let's talk about today's episode. After Mike and I get all caught up and have a little bit of Johnston v. Dawson's banter, which is always healthy. Then we're gonna talk education, we'll talk about building your independence, and we'll be talking about how Mike and I have built our independence in the past and are still building our independence today. After that, we're gonna take a deep dive into our favorite drum solos and play you tons of audio clips. Then we're gonna get into some gear review and check out the KMI bot pad. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions and as we'll give you our fix of the week so let's get started okay that was tony pickler or how would you say it tony pitchler pickler i i you know i've actually talked to tony on the phone before he's a longtime time mike's lesson student super nice guy educator uh, in his hometown and i never asked for his last name so okay. i always said pitchler but pitchler. it could be pickler all right
0: who knows but he's got a, that was his intro groove he's playing a uh PDP what kind of
1: dismissive crap was that? <laughs> who
0: knows? Who cares? I mean, that's more tr- dis- dismissive at my inability to read what okay. Pichler is. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I went with Pitchler. I think that's what Amber would say when she would read his questions out loud. Super nice guy, great player. So, what's a uh, what kind of gears he running? He's got a PDP Concept Maple kit with a
0: twenty-two inch kick and a five and a half inch deep snare. Those are the Sabian AAX Freak hi hats. Ooh, those are those are good. pretty cool. Um, he looks like he's using pretty standard mic setup. He's got AKG D112 on the kick and Audix i5 on the snare. He's got the these Roswell Mini K47s, or his overheads. Those actually have, and I need to review those. So that was cool to hear those on his recording.
1: He's using Cubase and a Steinberg interface. So cool. Cool beat, nice. Tony. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Oh, and by the way, for all of you out there, if you want to get your stuff played as our intro or outro. Please send it in. Uh, and what are the guidelines once you're done sipping? I was trying to hold off as long as I could. I'm sorry about that. What are the guidelines, Mr. Dawson? <laughs> uh, really, no particular... I mean, you can play whatever you want.
0: I mean, it's up to you. Um, just make sure you put your name in the audio file itself so I can kind of keep track of it. We're actually running low, so now would be the time to get your your butt
1: off the computer screen and to your drum kit yeah. and record something. There you go, and we have proven that we are not biased uh, when it comes to recording quality. You want to record it on your phone? Record it on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just show us that you're trying, and we're and we're good with it. So, uh, okay. Hey, First, oh, go ahead. I was say number one. We've
0: we've as of this week, we've crossed the million downloads. Damn. <laughs>
1: Pretty wild. I've never That's done a million of anything.
0: Insane.
1: I know. Yeah. Do they send us a like a platinum podcast mic? What the hell happens here? No. They're like, yeah. Finally. Jeez. How long you been doing this show? Jesus. My son. He's eight and he's got a podcast. He hit a million on week one. What's wrong with you guys? All he does is talk about Capri Suns and finding out new body parts. All right. So sounded weird. Moving on. That's awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, let <laughs> me start over? All right. Uh, welcome into episode one forty four. That was Tony Pickler in the intro. I, can't, group. I know. I can't even get through like eight seconds without being a moron. Okay. Firstly, firstly, well, whatever. I need to apologize for y- uh, last week's audio. Uh, Mike said before we started that my mic sounded like it was backwards. I was. I was kind of rushing around. I had drum camp going and I did everything correctly except for I opened the wrong Pro Tools file. So I recorded everything and did it with my presets for my overhead. Oh, interesting. So yeah, I just I just opened up drum lesson Pro Tools session and I was like, that looks like an empty track. Let's throw it on there and yeah. So, and I didn't even go in to mix it. I was so rushed trying to get everything ready and get you the files before the campers got here that I just did the quickest edit based off visualization. Like, oh, there's yeah. some wave files. Clear <laughs> all the dead space out before that. And then, yeah. Once you mentioned it to me, you said, "Yeah, things sound a little weird." I went back and opened the file, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's my overhead channel." So
0: <laughs> that makes
1: explains it. So yeah, there's like no low end and like some yeah. some weird compression going on. Oh, compression, well. yeah, probably it like happens. kind of pumping in and out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my overhead channel. There you go. That's what that's what podcasting through your overhead channel sounds like. It was just an experiment. I'm glad everyone learned from it, and that's what I'm about. I'm about education. Uh if you want to check out Mike's lessons.com, you can learn how to record your podcast through your overhead and your kick channel as well. I'll show you how to only go low end. Only low end through your kick channel. Uh, Anyway, so what's new with you, buddy?
0: Um what is new? Nothing particular with me. I mean I've been having fun just kind of practicing again and not having anything. Yeah, half power. Yeah, it's nice. That's so cool uh, you know nothing nothing super crazy I mean we're gearing up for festival
1: season so a lot of right. weekend shows are coming up you know but nothing nothing particular oh. at the moment um, And this is a this is gonna be a weird year for you because you're gearing up to cover festivals and you're gearing up to play your first drum festival. Yeah, that's that's got to be kind of new, I would assume. Uh, I'm trying not to think about it, actually. Okay, well let's let's dig into that. It's so nerve wracking, and you stare at all the famous drummers in the front row. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. Uh, uh, no, I have a lot of like
0: outdoor kind of like you know all the all the towns around here have their own festivals throughout the summer, so there's always live music. Okay. So I got a lot of those coming up, which those are fun. But it's you know, it's like every weekend I'll be traveling a couple hundred miles every weekend it's all good that's what we do
1: that's what drummers that's cool i mean yeah i mean and that's good though too even though drum festivals are quite a bit different than music festivals being on stage is being on stage and if you're comfortable with that you know i i can't imagine being this incredible savant like basement drummer and then having to do a drum festival because somebody saw me on the internet and that's I, i just can't imagine that um Doing PASIC for the first time was something where right when you walk out on stage, all the touring experience kicks in. And you go, okay, yes, yeah, I'm like going to be home. playing by myself, yeah. but I, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. I, I'm, not, I'm not freaked out by lights in my face I'm Not free- you because know, you have that experience. And, no. and since you're doing outdoor festivals, you definitely have the experience of everything going wrong.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. So nothing
1: trips you up because that's when things you you, I know you've been in the crowd when the when the clinician starts to blame front of house or blame like. (laughs) Ooh. Look, I'm hella good, but you got my wedge like way too loud, so I can't really be me right now. I mean, that I'm going
0: to say there's been a legendary drummer who flipped an absolute wig at a festival a couple years ago. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like drumsticks were being thrown. <laughs> Whoa! That's awesome. <laughs> and we might have featured
1: him last week. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't, damn it, I don't remember what last week was. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, I do. I oh, totally yeah. do. Oh, yeah. yeah. totally went nuts. Really?
0: Yep and actually my favorite flip out of all time was in college uh Marky Ramone brought his his band to my town Morgantown West Virginia and they played you know the one rock club in town and he absolutely wigged out so bad about the monitor i guess it was too loud or something okay He, like, destroyed the monitor, kicked it over. Wow. They played, like, five songs, and then he just stormed off the stage. It was like, show's over. Adios.
1: (laughs) You know, if you notice, the crowd never gets on board for the flip-out because the crowd is not experiencing what the drummer's experiencing. So what the drummer's complaining about... No one knew it was happening. You have to, you know what I mean? It's like, it's different if you flip out, if you're at PASIC and someone throws a Coors light bottle at your head, (laughs) then the crowd's going to get on board for your flip out on that. Right. (laughs) Sorry, PASIC. I know you guys don't allow beer, but, but if it's just you and you're in your mix, the crowd doesn't know what you're hearing. So you have to, that's part of being a drum festival drummer, a drum set clinician is hold your stuff together complain about it to your wife on the phone at midnight when you get back to the hotel, but no one cares. They're there to see you do your thing. So, um, By the way, speaking of drum festivals, uh, I just got the full lineup for the UK drum festival that I'll be performing at, so I wanted to give that out to people that are considering going to that, especially if you're not just because you don't live in manchester or england that doesn't that shouldn't stop you this is an amazing drum festival uh so it is uh being held at a place called manchester central uh you can just go to the uk com for all the actual details but i wanted to give you guys the lineup because it's getting pretty insane so uh do you remember when we covered chris turner from is it oh, oceans yeah. Eight alaska oh yeah okay He's so a he got added uh, Stanton Moore uh, He's in a band called Galactic New up and coming guy Really good pocket yeah, Deep uh, feel uh, Check him out Harry's not bad <laughs> Yeah he's on Instagram You can follow him uh, Ben Greb He's on it uh, Benjamin it. Old Benjamin Benjamin Greb Yeah <laughs> yep. Uh, Calvin Rogers just got added to it Cool He is Legend. probably one of my biggest early influences uh, The teacher that I was studying with when I was about 15 Gave me a Kimberell live album that Calvin was on uh, and Calvin couldn't have been much older than me at the time and it changed my viewpoint on drumming it was real gospel drumming you mm-hmm. know one fill per every two songs but it but they were though the fills where you go what the heck was that yeah yeah um, but the pocket was just incredible so Calvin Rogers he just got added to the minor roster as well he's now a Minor artist so I'm really excited to meet him and Man. more than anything just thank him for the years and decades of influence Richard Spaven is on it amazing Russ Miller my kind of uh, smackdown stepbrother, the guy that always gives me advice that hurts my feelings in the moment, but then I learned a ton from it. Uh, Rasheed Williams, Jamie Morrison, Greg Hutchinson just got added, myself, Josh Dion, and Jojo Mayer. That's pretty monumental. Man. It's a. I know every time I get an email, I'm like, could you stop adding people, please? <laughs> like, Jesus. Just need that, um, uh, you know, a Dennis Chambers or a Dave Weckl and right, yeah, or, <laughs> or Vince. Yeah, I always say that these like festivals like this are like grabbing an issue of Modern Drummer and shaking it, and just everyone falls out of the pages. And yeah, is that a, when it, What are the dates for that? Um, is it over a weekend? Yes, I know that I'm playing on one of the days. Uh, so it's Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Just let me get through this. It's Saturday, September 29th um, and Sunday, September 30th. And Okay, cool. I'm pretty sure I'm on the Saturday. I'll, I'll check and give you guys more. We're, we're a little ways out on that one, but I'll give you guys more details. I'll also probably have full details on my Asia tour by next week. I know I'm hitting Tokyo, Jakarta, uh, Seoul, South Korea, uh, Bangkok, Thailand, a bunch of other places. So I'll give you guys all the dates and times for that. So should be awesome. fun, man. Dig it. So I'll take,
0: speaking of drum clinics and festivals, I've found that I get way more nervous when I'm on the floor in a small room with a group of people rather than on a stage with a PA system. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but I, I, you know what it is? I don't get nervous. I actually get um, kind of bashful about hitting the drums and and assaulting oh, for people's sure. face <laughs> it's like that's more the problem for
1: me yeah um, i i was blown away by ash soane's ability to be himself at the dynamic that you would expect mark to play with um, mm-hmm. the first time i did the camp with him in ireland he was doing his ash thing playing a halftime shuffle playing all of his fills doing his reggae one drop stuff Every crash was just the tip of the stick on the bell of the crash symbol. Um, the snare never caused you to plug your ears. He's I was like, wow, I just didn't. You know, I mean, somebody that lives in the studio has that. I wouldn't say monotone, but they're so consistent. Yeah. yeah. And control to drop yeah. by 40 yeah. percent. I'm like, well, how could you do that if you've trained your whole life to hit perfectly for the microphone and to allow the drum to do its job? And he, I even asked him, I said, dude, do you normally crash by hitting the tip of the stick on the bell and then he just said no but there's somebody four feet away from me so what do you want me to do and i was like oh i hell it never occurred to me man i want you to make their ears bleed that's what i want you to do (laughs) exactly that way i can be like ash that was a little aggressive let me show you how it's done but no um yeah it, it can be tough because you you feel like you lose a little bit of physical physical control by bringing the dynamics down um, and then if you play the way you play, you feel a little guilty. You're kind of like, oh, I wish you guys all brought earplugs. But then you think, do you really want to hear me going muffled? So <laughs> I'm with you. Bring man, a, it can I be bring tough. a box
0: of earplugs every time I go, and just if you want them, here they are. I've got. all well, that there you
1: go. I've got That's like a, a box great solution, of like
0: 500 man. earplugs.
1: <laughs> That's a great solution. Uh, well, before we get started and uh, start talking about our favorite drum solos, are we going to do drum solos? or Are we going to do education first? What are you feeling? I think we should. I think we should do the... uh, I don't know. What do you want to do? (laughs) Let's go education. We'll gear up. We'll we'll get everybody ready for it. But before we do that, I want
0: to... Yeah. We have to mention about the contest. I don't want to get too far into the episode before we talk about that. So the folks at Ultimate Ears are actually going to be creating a nice, clean entry form for us to post. It's not quite ready yet. It will be ready soon, maybe even by the time you listen to this episode. So be look out for... You know, we'll be posting it on Modern Drummers Facebook page. Probably Mike and I will share it in different ways, but there will be Definitely. a website where you can enter. Um, I don't think they're going to have any. We're going to have any kind of like entry You terms. just enter. You just enter. Yeah. So there's no. And they're
1: a third party. I trust them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They're, they have no favorites. So uh, I'm still honestly kind of blown away by this whole thing. I'm also blown away by the prize pack. I mean, just. Thanks to Ultimate Ears for stepping up. Yep. Um, so as a reminder, they're giving cool. away a free set of
0: custom mold 6 uh, Pro. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. And, I know. And, <laughs> and their SoundTap personal monitor mixer thing, which is awesome. And then a second package, will have a set of the uh, 900 non-custom molds and also with a SoundTap. So two pretty awesome things. Amazing. So we'll be pushing that around for the next couple of weeks. But keep listening and checking the different websites, social media, and we'll announce it as soon as it's
1: ready. Got it. All All right. right. You want to move into some education? Okay. Let's talk about building independence. I'm not scared. Let's do it. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if you remember, but one of the coolest things that um, Modern Drummer and you ever did for me was when I was on the cover three, four years ago now, uh, you let me write an article about Mm -hmm. independence. But the thing that really really was amazing was you – allowed me to contact and reach out to some of my heroes that I'd never spoken to and ask them about independence and get their opinion on it. And I was able right. to – I wasn't studying – or maybe I had just started studying with Will Kennedy, but I was able to reach out to Will Kennedy, Todd Zuckerman, and a few others and get their opinion on it because I think independence starts with, do you know why you're doing this? Are you doing this because it's hard and you're trying to show your friends some type of parlor trick and just be like, I can do – inverted paradiddles with my feet while I'm doing standard paradiddles with my hands. Mm. And, it's like, and now that in itself can be useful if you know why you're doing it. But if you're only doing it to show to somebody else, then it's kind of living in this, like I said, this little Instagram world of, okay, cool. What did it get you? Yeah. And I think we all have independence needs for different reasons. I can only imagine the independence Phil Collins needed to say, I want to sing the way I sing and play drums the way I play drums and not have the two mess with each other
0: that's literally something i've never tried to do is sing a song and play drums i can't imagine
1: i lucked out i can't sing i never had to worry about it (laughs) but i I mean you know you know when you're on stage doing a clinic the whole time i'm playing and speaking to the crowd Mm. and Um, you you practice that right i practice the yep yeah so how did you Out do that? It. You just like start reading text or something? I started I started with that with my students. Yeah, we'd grab a we'd both grab a copy of Modern Drummer and we'd open up to a Tama ad and I'd say, Okay, we're gonna play Paradiddles on the pad and we're not gonna move away from the metronome. And while we do that, we're gonna we're gonna announce this Tama ad, you know. The new star classic, Birch Babinga. While just going Played by Matt Garska. Um, so, so yeah, we started with things like that. I think it also comes from touring. When you're touring, you're yelling at your tech mm-hmm. while things are falling apart on stage. And you know that if you yell in quarter notes, bro, can, <laughs> you, it's going to take nine minutes for him to get over the, get you a new snare head. Mm-hmm. So you learn how to do it that way. But eventually it got to the point where I would just improvise on the pad and speak out loud. And I would just try to deliver my clinic speech in the garage or in my practice room. While improvising on the practice pad and, and speaking as normal and as confident as possible. Nice. Yeah, I should probably do that. Maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. It just depends if you're going to speak. I mean, there's you know when you sit down at any drum festival or any major drum clinic, they're going to have a boom mic, and you have to think, will I ever use this while I'm playing? And mm. uh, and and me personally, I I love doing that because I love narrating what's happening. Like, did you hear that? I was thinking about that two measures ago you know Um, so it's totally up to you as a clinician
0: but the last last one I did for whatever reason I got winded like normally it's not an issue but I actually got winded between the plane and speaking and Mm -hmm. it was really weird I couldn't tell if it was just nervous like taking short breaths I didn't feel nervous
1: but who knows I mean the body just does what it does I've experienced that so many times from clinicians that aren't on a regular basis clinicians and They're not nervous per se. They're more nervous about the speaking than they are the drumming. The drumming was no big deal. They grabbed the mic and then all of a sudden they've realized they've got cotton mouth. They maybe rushed into speaking because they didn't understand that it's not happening as fast as you think in the moment. You do have time to take a drink of water, to towel off. It's okay that there's a little silence in the room. And so... You know, anything that's awkward in a clinic situation is a chance for you to call out the awkwardness to buy your time, buy some time with laughter, mm-hmm. and so it's fine. I, I mean, as a clinician, you dream for cell phones to go off. That's an awesome <laughs> moment, you know. Um, <laughs> you dream to spot a kid that's gripping his stick super tight in the first or second row, and, and just think the second you walk out on stage, you make eye contact. You go, okay, that child will be on this stage within 18 minutes, and I am going to give him an experience he'll never forget i'm only going to bring him up to do something i know he can do and the whole crowd gets on board so that's at least when it comes to doing clinics and doing drum festivals that's what's going through my mind the second i walk out on stage now let's get back to independence yeah right so where does where does independence fall for you as far as thinking about it as an exercise does it have to be four limbs could you practice it just on a pad Um, what is it when what's going through your mind when you're thinking i need to work on my independence Yeah, it's a good question if we're referencing where I'm at currently.
0: It's it's usually if something I just can't execute kind of flawlessly or seamlessly as well as I want to right away, then I'm like, all right, what is happening? Is it the bass drum? Okay, let me now work on, you know, whatever that groove context is, I'll just play that pattern and work on the bass drum, playing all the different sixteenths or whatever the subdivision Mm -hmm. it is. So that's, it's more like a practical like where am I where do I f- where do I feel like I'm not comfortable and I discover it like in the moment as I'm recording or playing or right. improvising. Uh, so mostly for me now, it's it's independence is within a musical context. Like what what's the groove? What's the feel? What's the dynamic? And then am I free to do what I need to do with the bass drum or the snare drum or the
1: right hand? I and think if, that's that's what independence brings you is freedom. <clears throat> And when you right. feel a restriction anywhere, it could be feel. It could be actually the the ability to execute what your idea is. When you feel that restriction, then you know you need to work on your independence for that. Um, yep. I think that having independence allows you to have great time because if you don't have to think about the drumming, then you can think about your time. I think independence allows you to have great dynamics because if the dyna- if your drumming is so on point – that it's just no big deal to you because you've practiced it a million times and you have the independence to think, am I too loud for this situation? Could my snare come up? Could my hi-hats come down? And so I think that that's where independence lies in a musical setting. We also know that I think any drummer that has, they're kind of stuck in that beginner world and they're just moving into whatever we would consider to be intermediate and someone, whether it be a drum teacher or a website or whatever, someone gives them their first two-pedal ostinato whether it Mm -hmm. be samba or tumbao or whatever, and they try to do things they've always been able to do, like a paradiddle, and nothing happens, and everything just shuts down and you just come to a grinding halt. That, I think, to me, is where independence lives on just a physical level, Mm -hmm. is, okay, I'm going to do a a two-voice ostinato with my feet, and am I free to play with my hands? Um, And I definitely do not see that as a waste of time for anyone, even if they're like, well, I want to be a punk drummer. it's like it, It doesn't matter independence yeah, yeah. is part of I mean, being you, a drummer. yeah you've
0: got to be able to have at least two limbs on autopilot just to be able to be a, a comfortable drummer it doesn't matter i don't think right. it matters what the pattern is you have to have be able to just separate some kind of a two-limb ostinato and then be free right. to play not necessarily solo but just free to play within that no. context
1: yeah and and to respond musically to what's happening and, and when you think about like well, I'm not going to be improvising. It's like, well, you probably were when you wrote the song with your band because mm. you didn't have anything set. So you must have tried things out. And it's nice. Even if somebody said, OK, it's four on the floor, two and four, four and four on the kick, two and four on the snare. It'd be nice to have some bell in a pen. Ding, 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 ka Even though it's a little busy for the song we're playing right now in my imaginary head. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that
0: that's a good one for, you know, the idea of playing fills without breaking the groove. You keep the, the kick Absolutely. and the snare going, and you can play the toms with the other hand. That, mm-hmm. you can't, I don't think anyone could just sit down and do that unless they practiced it. Maybe you're lucky, right. but... That takes a well, lot of Well, and practice. think about
1: who we talked about last week with Stuart Copeland. There's a lot of times where kick and snare are extremely solid, and he's just got a lot of improvisation on the hi-hat or yep. on the bell of the ride cymbal. Yep. Um, and, and it's weird because you think, like, dude, that's still four on the floor, and it's a gab, and it feels so free because at least one l- limb is free to do whatever and respond musically to what's happening around him. Yeah. So give me an exercise that you're currently working on or something that you're teaching to somebody else. I think the
0: the first lesson I had that was like, okay, this is independence that's in a musical context. It's not independence like can you play triplets over eighth notes. Like, right. I did all of that, that kind of stuff and, you know, like New Breed and all the books to kind of just work on you know, strict coordination. But the first musical thing was my teacher in high school. He had me just play basic beats out of like Carmina Pisa's book or um, rock and bass drum, whatever, like just basic grooves. Sure. And then, you know, with with either a quarter note or an eighth note right hand pattern. And then the left foot would go from quarters to ace to off beats. And that was huge. That was because it, 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 it made me realize I can play all these basic beats with one simple change. Not only is it way more challenging, it sounds completely different. It has a totally different feel, yeah. a totally different energy. That right. became like my whole thing. And so everything I do now is still kind of like that just kind of changed it all like okay that's that's always an option i can play the same beat in the verse and the chorus but maybe i go to the off beat
1: with the left foot totally different I, feel i agree yeah and i think that that's one thing that independence gives you is the independence to to respond to a singer songwriter or a producer that says hey i love the groove don't change anything i just need it to drive more and you look around your kit and you go don't change the groove okay i'm playing ride kick and snare you know what let me put in eighth notes with my left foot and now we'll give it this chick 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 and it'll just drive this whole thing forward or if they say the same thing like yeah it's just i just need to have some bounce all right i'm going to give you left foot upbeats and not change anything because you love the groove and i think that that's the level of independence that we all are striving for is that it allows us to become you know a chameleon to the situation whatever you need i've got you there will never be i can't stand the thought of at least in a pop rock setting a physical limitation holding me back that would drive me nuts i don't <laughs> mind it in fusion or you know jazz cuz it's just yeah. has been it's been a new focus for me but in a pop rock setting after 30 something years of drumming i should be able to physically do whatever you need from me and that comes from working on independence diligently you know and yeah. and realizing that when you switch out the samba for the bio you're going to have to start from scratch yeah uh, You know quarter notes are going to be challenging Uh, i remember thinking like i can't believe how hard this ostinato with my feet and quarter notes alternating my hands is i could do just right Mm -hmm. right right but right left i was like why won't it go down um (laughs) you know and so that and it would be the same right now like i I know that um i was watching one of the dave weckl uh, what was his his whole series that he put out he put out like a hands one and uh Oh, yeah, it was like
0: Technique and...
1: Yeah. Yeah, those were pretty good. They were
0: on like Carl Fisher, I think, put those out.
1: Yeah. So I think one of his ostinatos was in triplets. It was uh, left foot, then two right. So left, right, right, left, uh-huh. right. Da, 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 cha, da, 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 da. And then he kind of would play straight time over it, play sixteenths over it. So it was one E and a, two E and a, three E and a, that vibe. Right, right. And I really did, playing it as sixteenths. I had... I was shocked. that I was like, I have to literally learn how to play quarter notes over the top of this. Mm-hmm. I don't get to just start improvising because I've worked really hard on my independence and Dave said to do this, so let me just <laughs> drop the heat on improvisation. I had to start with quarter notes and eighth notes and sixteenth notes and then sixteenths is doubles, sixteenths is paradiddles. But once you learn that cycle and you learn how to build freedom over something, whether it be the samba or foot pattern or anything, there's nothing impossible anymore. You understand that I will do this until my body, until my brain memorizes this motor function. Then I will put quarter notes over it and then eighths. And I will go through this process. And then eventually I will start to have a little bit of freedom to improvise over it. Yeah.
0: You know, and when for me at this stage, independent stuff has become much more subtle. Like, um, like very, very recently I've been exploring using different dynamic shapes with just the hi-hat without changing the rhythm that I'm playing. So if I'm playing eighth Mm -hmm. notes, I can put a quarter note pulse, I can put an offbeat pulse, or can I just kind of like create little melodies, but not changing the rhythm itself. That's been a lot of fun.
1: I just showed that exact thing to the campers this last week. Uh, we were watching James Gadsden currently playing with Wolfpack and He's got this groove, and on every uh, maybe second bar, it's got one accent on the and of four on the Mm. hi-hat. The hi-hat is crazy quiet. And then on the second bar, it's chick, chick. And that's the hook. That's the turnaround. And that one note, I'm telling you, if I gave just a random bunch of students a basic pop rock groove and then said, okay, and then on the second bar, hit the and of four really loud on the hi-hat, they wouldn't know where one is. They wouldn't know when to come back in, like unless yeah. they practiced it, of course. Yeah, you probably rush. I mean, I find that some of your
0: time starts to get squirrely when mm-hmm. you start doing that for the first time, and or the yeah. other limbs want to go with it. That's the hard part.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then the the note that follows that hi hat, which is the next bass drum, gets nailed. Like you said, yeah. um, you can also hear in people's playing. Uh, this, and this is part of independence as well. You can hear when someone 's about to do a fill because, like you said, their time gets a little they're they 're anticipating it they 're thinking about it their brain's yeah. working extra hard to be like it 's going to be kick, kick right, right, kick, kick right, you know, and they 're thinking, and then the time's just all wavery, and then maybe the bass drum pattern they were playing kind of fades out as they 're trying to think about what 's coming up. And yeah. that's part of being independent as well. So um, <laughs> independence is, I mean, that's really what drum set playing is. You've got four limbs going. It's, yeah. it's not you know, an easy thing to do. And I, you
0: know, as I mess around more with piano and guitar, I'm like, it's all the same. It's all independence. It's all freedom. Yeah. It's just, you, you know, that's, I think that's why a lot of drummers get stuck in it because you can spend 50 years working on it and never feel like you're completely fluent it's like right. when do you say, "Okay, I've got enough to make some music. Let me see what happens." That's kind yeah. of where I'm at now. Like my left foot independence is half of where it was when I was 21 years old, really? but I don't really care because <laughs> I, I mean I've, I've realized recording that if the if the hi hat is chomping through the whole song, it can be it can be a mess. So sometimes yeah. I'm not even using the left foot at all. Uh, right so it's like what do i need to be able to do and i need to be able to play yep. quarters and eighth eighth notes i don't need to be able to like improvise with my left foot as if i'm playing like roy haynes anymore that's just not right happening so it's like get to a point when you're like okay can i be free with what the, the tools that i've got and that's how i'm like okay well no i can't play offbeat six scenes with my bass drum very accurately i've got to practice that and then come right. back a week later can i be yeah. free with that
1: and that, that gridding system of figuring out what subdivision am I in and what are the holes in the grid that if a note shows up there, everything else has to be sacrificed to make that note happen. That's yeah. what I look for in my students is like, look, man, I know that you kind of have this down, but I'm telling you, if your bass player ever just moves over to the E for that note, you're toast. Or you have, to, you have to hold both hands up in the air to hit that kick because you can't keep the ghost note going, and, um, and that's what we look for. Well, I know that we need to thank Dream, but I want to make sure that when we get back from doing that, my favorite independence exercise in the world segues right into one of my favorite drum solos. So first, oh, let's cool, thank cool. Dream, and then we'll chat about that. So Dream... Um you guys should be checking out their website regularly. It looks like
0: they're posting free lessons every once in a while. I mean, every couple of weeks we're I mean, we're going back every two weeks to check it out, and there's already, you know, three or four more up there. So the one the I was checking out this morning is by a drummer named Patch Mahoney. He's got a pretty wicked thirty second note linear fill lesson up there. There's a nice video of him demonstrating he's got the notation. He plays it slow, he plays it fast. So it's a quick like little bite of I mean, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> He's, he plays all, th- no, he leaves out two 30-second notes in an entire measure. So it's, it's a long measure of pretty cool pattern. Uh, so just go to dreamsymbols.com backslash lessons, and you'll see a whole bunch of stuff there. Maybe I'll grab the audio and drop it in. So let's check out how this fill sounds.
1: All right, so tell me about your favorite independence exercise. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. And I, I this was a big part of drum camp for many years. Uh, it was an independence exercise that I was forced to create out of the need to want to do something. And so I found a solo years and years and years ago on YouTube by Terry Angoli, and he's playing with Christian McBride. And the entire drum solo is against a left-hand cross stick. So, get ca- get. Ca- yeah you've talked about that before get, get. Yeah. and so that became something where I was like oh that sounds like a lot of fun What a great theme for a drum solo I went back to my room and tried it and I couldn't do it so I I had to start from scratch I gritted the bass drum doom 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 katum 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 and I did the doubles and the triples and then I did the same with my right hand and then I started thinking about polyrhythms, all that kind of stuff. And then eventually I thought, man, this is going to be a fun drum game. I'm going to make the campers do this. And every time someone messes up that left hand, you're out. And we'll just keep cycling through. And all of that, uh, which then made me think, well, if I have to do it with my left hand, I should probably do it with my right hand on a stack. Mm. That gave me the ability to play djinn. And then I did it with the bass drum. And I wasn't a big four on the floor guy, but I was like, I got disco down. <laughs> so anyways, left foot I had already worked on. But what was funny to me was I thought like, wow, this is insanely hard, but it's everything that I've already done with my left foot growing up. I did everything against a quarter note pulse with my left ah, foot right. or an upbeat. Why didn't I do it with my left hand? Why didn't I do it with my right hand? Uh and so, so anyways, uh, I want to take a listen to this. This is Terry on If you haven't heard him play before, please check him out. He's definitely one of those drummers that Mike and I reference sometimes that they're too busy to be in the drum scene. They're yeah. Too busy making yeah. music to be in the drum scene. So you might not know him or it might not be a household name, but this dude is a beast. So this is him doing the cross stick quarter note thing in a musical context in a drum solo where he's playing with the Christian McBride band.
0: I saw that band. Uh, gosh, I don't know when did that album come out. So I don't know if I was living in the area yet, or if I was just visiting New York. But I saw them at the Iridium, the old Iridium in New York, small, really? small basement room. And it was so intense. The whole show was just so intense. And I, for some reason, I recall the drums were kind of like back in a cubby. So he was almost like he was in like a like a tank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but on the floor. It wasn't like they had a stage. I mean, you're just – everyone right. was just on the floor. So intense. I mean, that was that was a game changer for me to be like, okay, if you're for real about playing this modern jazz thing – there's right. an intensity there that's just relentless. The time feel was always like right on the edge. Everyone was just on the, on the edge of their seat the whole the whole show. Mm. So intense. Yeah have you have you met him before or did you get to meet him there? Uh, not then, but when he played PASIC probably two thousand four or five something like that. He okay. I, I met him there and, and we chatted for a bit. He's so humble. He's a, he's kind of a big intimidating physical presence. He's a big dude. Okay, I think he could have probably it. played professional football if he wanted to. And
1: he's playing a bop kit sometimes. Yeah, awesome. tiny little kit, super tiny yeah. little kit. I think he was using like 10 inch hi hats at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that stuff that he did with uh, Blackout and stuff on Harris, that's, you know, there's like 10 inch snares on there and, and 10 yeah, inch hi-hats right. and stuff. And yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. But he's, he's a brilliant drummer, and he's another one of those people that if you're kind of scared off by what you think jazz is, he might be a good gateway drummer for you to get into because you kind of can really, he does a lot of straight time stuff. So you can kind of go, Oh, I know what those are. Um, Yeah. It's like a double live album. I think it's live at tonic might be the one. Okay. It's, it's two,
0: two CDs. I'm sure all of it's on Spotify or Apple music now. And it's, it's start to finish pretty amazing.
1: That's with Christian McBride. Yep. Christian McBride, Dan. Awesome. Before I get
0: into my first solo, when do you add in improvisation into this practice?
1: Late. I mean, I, I can't, I always equate it to speaking and I cannot go out and improvise a speech. If I only know three words, it's going to be a really boring speech. So I kind of think that I go through the general things. I mean, there are, there's not that much vocabulary when it comes to general drumming. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking like I get all my, my grids down then, especially with like a cross stick, then I'm thinking, okay, what can go in between that left hand cross stick? Um, I can have, you know, three 16th notes. Cool. I could have two eighth note triplets. You know, what if the second eighth note triplet is the accent one? You know, so I, I go through all those things that are kind mm. of normal. And then really, I, I would say this, man. I literally just improvise with a timer and find out how long does it take until the whole thing falls apart. If it's under 20 seconds, I got some more vocabulary to work on.
0: I mean, so would you guess you probably put in like an hour of straight technical practice or more
1: before oh, you Oh, no, no, begin? Like, like like an hour a day times a week. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you do, yeah, wait, I, and you do wait until you're really comfortable with it. I just went through this. So not with this one, but with something that I'm teaching in the camp and something I'll be uh, demoing. Lord Willin. that I'll be demoing at the <laughs> UK drum show if I can play it by then. But yeah, so I spent probably a good full week an hour to two hours a night in the garage working on my vocabulary with very, this very specific thing uh, t- before I was like, okay, let me just take a crack at I mean, I, I'll take a crack at it, and then it just yeah. falls apart within three seconds, and I go, okay, okay I'm not there yet. Got it, cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right, so I went through, I think we, what did I say we were going to do? Our favorite drum solos. So these are kind of the ones that I keep going back to as inspiration for various different things. So the first one I have to call out the great Max Roach, because he literally defined, you know, he was the first person to actually write solo drum set pieces. Uh, But I picked one that isn't super well known. It's called Jazz Me, and it's off of his album Survivor, which is a pretty out record where he's playing with a string quartet for half the record, and the other half of it is just solo drums. So... It's important to remember that max wasn't just a bebop drummer he was he was pretty adventurous he was out so this uh this piece we're just gonna list a minute of it but you'll hear that he has a, a very specific theme a theme a b theme and then he kind of goes back and forth and then he improvises and he always comes back to the main theme and that's kind of the way he always constructs solos and i find it inspiring because it's not like He's not doing a Buddy Ridge solo. It's like I wrote right. a piece He's of not- music and I'm playing yeah. within it which is I think is super cool. So this is Jazz Me <laughs>
1: strikes me right off the bat is knowing who max is knowing his playing knowing what's coming up later in that solo to have that kind of patience in the beginning to play a drum solo and be like look i understand i know you want your your doors blown off especially at a time where drummers were blowing off everyone's doors yeah but you know what this is music and you're gonna hang in for this and i know that you're gonna hang in for this because you're gonna be waiting like when does it go crazy and then eventually (laughs) and if you think about it when he's letting loose are you singing any of that back to yourself in the car later that day no but you might sing that intro back to yourself right
0: Right. yeah yeah he's a master at that he always comes back to his themes and I think that's for me that's a guide of like if I'm going to play a solo it's not just come out machine gun spray and it's like make a statement let it breathe play it again maybe play it again maybe play it eight times and then do something different right (laughs) So Max, Which is, is awesome. you know, He's he's still my all-time hero uh, as far as just a drum solo, like deliberate drum soloing. So right. what's your next one?
1: Next one is, now I chose instead of solos because I, I try hard, especially for the last seven or eight or six or seven years since I've been doing solos, I try not to obsess on specific solos because I'm a little scared it might actually make its way into my playing. So yeah. I have favorite soloists. Um, But this is the Benny Greb drum solo from the Montreal Drum Festival in 2005. And the reason I chose this is because this was my very first time seeing or hearing of anyone named Benny Greb. Never even heard the name. Mm. And I saw this guy and I was like, wow, that's like the things that I love about the Uber drummers, whether it be Thomas or Marco or, or Virgil. But there's this Steve Gadd thing going on of pocket and feel and dynamics and storytelling that I had, you know, it was weird. I couldn't figure this guy out at the time. We weren't friends yet, and I just was blown away. This was actually, yeah, this was um, 2005. Wow. So this is 13 years ago. Um, And if you hear this from 13 years ago, you'll still hear a lot of Today's Benny Greb in there mm-hmm. he likes these he likes you know these big giant ostinato solo sections and then he brings it down to like playing with his fingers and stuff so uh, let's give this a listen <laughs>
0: What a jerk! You know, I will. I think I saw him at. Well, I met him at Nam, maybe around this time. Actually, Thomas Lang was walking around, introducing everybody at that that okay. year. But I. But then he performed at PASIC a year or two later and it was there there's only been a handful of times at a PASIC where I'm like completely like the hair in the back of my neck is standing up I'm like what is going on and he right. was one of them it was him wow. uh, Glenn Kochi Jack Jeanette, Daphnis Prieto there hasn't been a ton right. i mean there's yeah, been amazing maybe. drummers i've seen but there was just something about the way that he delivered his solo on stage it was like man that was really something really special
1: yeah he has a courage Uh, when it comes to solos where he just has no fear and you feel Mm -hmm. like man this is you at your max no Mm -hmm. matter what you know um he's very comfortable too which is that was
0: inspiring like he was really comfortable even speaking english and you know he was very kind of self-effacing about that but just so comfortable
1: yeah. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. And I mean, you can hear the Weckle influence at this time. He's got bongos over his sides. Yeah. Yep. Splashes so everywhere. This, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, that's what I'm saying is like, this was all my favorite drummers coming together in one person. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And uh, so, yeah. So that, even though that's probably not my favorite drum solo of his, it's, it just exemplifies like he's, he's just a great storyteller and has been. All right. What's next for you, buddy? All right. So I'm sticking in the,
0: the, The jazz icons so this one is um it's called the freedom rider it's by art blakey again it's an entirely solo drum performance i think the whole thing is like eight or nine minutes long Uh, but what i love about blakey is it's the pure passion and a certain kind of primal just just i mean it's kind of undeniable the power that this dude plays with uh, but he's also very resourceful. So he, again, he states a theme. He'd had some variations. He does some improvisation. It's nothing super technical, but and I go back to this whole, I probably listen to it once a month and I've had this record for 15 plus years. I mean, it's it's super cool. So we'll just listen to like the opening segment. You'll kind of hear kind of kind of the African master drummer influence in him.
1: I can just hear how much influence that guy had on ginger baker yeah. keith moon yeah totally john bonham i mean that that could have easily been a cream concert right if you just put like a <laughs> uh, really i mean that could have easily and then clapton comes in i mean that was super powerful yeah i think he's playing with
0: mallets through most of us so it gives that an extra kind of earthiness but i just love that he'll be like i'm gonna play a groove man and that's enough and it's undeniable yeah. that groove is I mean, that is enough for me. I could listen to that. But yeah, later on the track, he he goes off and does his his Blakey stuff. But that's one sure. of my all-time favorites. So that's off the album that's called The Freedom Rider.
1: But the track is called The Freedom Rider as well. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So my next thing is, once again, I'm speaking of soloists that I just love. And uh, the top of the top for me, for my personal influence uh, in storytelling Is Dave Weckl. So this is just something kind of recent because I wanted you to hear this mainly because this is a I don't even know where they're grabbing the audio from. It's a live feed or something, but this is definitely not like wasn't done for an album or anything. And the one thing that you will always get from the great Dave Weckl is his drums will always sound amazing. I know, no matter what. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like I don't know if you ever watched the show um, How I Met Your Mother. No, but I haven't. okay. So you know, uh, do you know who Neil Patrick Harris is? Oh yeah, Doogie Hauser. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he had a a, <clears throat> a male chauvinistic character named Barney in that show, and one of the shticks they had was that he could never take a bad picture, no matter how you tried to grab him. Even if you took the picture and it was bad, when you'd look at your phone, it was great. Okay, I feel like with Weckle, <clears throat> even if you tape him with like a Nokia phone from 1999 somehow the recording would still sound amazing it's like you cannot record him improperly it's illegal in the universe to record dave weckl and have it sound bad um so uh this is uh, him playing with oz noi the song is called steroids and it doesn't matter where you start it it's you just hear dave and uh and when you hear dave that's when you go back and you go oh all that stuff i like on instagram that's where it came from like (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, there's this lineage between Elvin and Max and then going into Vinny and Dave that it never really stops. Um, and Tony, yes, don't start writing me emails, all you Tonys. Um, all you Tonys. <laughs> everyone that every time they're like, you What about all Tony the tonys? <laughs> Yeah. Not not Tony Pilcher, though. No, he's fine. Pickler. He gave us our intro. Pickler. Pickler, Pilcher, <laughs> Pitchler, Pitchler. Pitchler. Eh. Now now I'm the one that just doesn't care. All right, let's check all right. out yeah. <laughs>
0: sound i mean it's it's like way too high for me to ever be comfortable playing it that way but he just makes it sound so good so
1: he's a master of getting the most out of the drum because he is i always tell my students like hey don't put your ghost notes over there just because you think it's quieter you play them in the middle yeah right but with him he's exploring it for the sound there is a different sound up there and if you know that and you can use the entire circumference of the drum. That's fantastic. So, But I think with Dave, the one thing that I really have always – I or just gravitated towards is that you could grab a five-second clip of him and you will see that he's put in millions of hours on the practice pad. You will see that he's rocked out in the garage to Zeppelin. You will see every ounce of work into yeah. everything he does. And I just – every time I see him, I go, God dang. You know, like – I don't know if you've ever felt this way but with your drumming icons especially the ones that are still alive and still very active it's funny that we think like well one day I'm going to be like that person and then you realize well Dave's practicing as much as you are so that gap will never close Yeah, ever. I know and you know, and he was a freak when he was 17 so it's just that's what I'm saying it's, yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just and that's a, so we have people like that and then we hope that they just stop at 17 and go that's good enough yeah. but Dave's still practicing so it's like Every time I go and see him at Yoshi's I'm like, god dang, it's exactly <laughs> as it was in 1996. The gap is the exact same distance cuz you got good while I was trying to get better. So I I truly I think Dave Weckl and Vinnie Colaiuta are the two drummers that allow me to still be a kid i'm 41 years old but i want to feel like a kid i want to have that buddy rich tape cassette going into the player for the very first time and when i see dave play i do get that feeling and i go that's awesome i want to play drums for the rest of my life so uh that is the great dave Weckel.
0: there you go so my last is actually it's a two-part explanation so um the first one is a, it's another solo drum piece. I went through, a couple years ago I went through a period of like gathering up all the solo drum pieces I could find like with you know a whole track of nothing but drums. Uh, this one is off of an Elvin Jones record called Young Blood. The track is called ding a Ling. I got this CD in 1992 and it, I think now that I'm looking, thinking back I think this changed everything for me. Really as far as hearing the drums purely as an emotional textural mode of expression because there are no patterns there is no groove but it's seven and a half minutes long and i find myself just riveted start to finish he's he's just he's just pouring his soul into the drums in an abstract way but for me it's like that's what it's all about i don't care if you're playing beats or fills or nothing at all I want this. So I'm going to start with this one and then I'll lead into the second one. So here's just the first minute of ding-a-ling-a-ling by Elvin Jones.
1: Because, I mean, when you've played as long as as we have, you can put yourself, you can close your eyes, put yourself in the position and think, what would it take emotionally for you to play like that on the drum set? And that's, that, my life hasn't led me to a path that would lead to that kind of emotion pouring out of me on the drums. Yeah. And I would never want to fake it if I didn't have it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, at the end of that take, he was pouring sweat and he had given it all and he was like, I'm done for the day. I mean, you could just. And he wasn't trying to, to impress it.
1: drummers. It was like, no. this has to come out of me right now. Roll tape. Let's go.
0: Yeah. It was probably like, oh, by the way, we were going to do a bunch of tracks today. No, I'm going to just play a solo right now because I got to do it. <laughs> you know? awesome. And we're going to call it Ding a Ling a <laughs> Ling. <laughs> all right. So my last pick is actually. It references, I think maybe it references that very performance. I never asked Will Calhoun, but this is a solo tribute that Will Calhoun did called Echoes of Elvin off of his album Native Lands, I believe. Um, And this for me is like the modern version of what Elvin was doing. You'll hear We're going to play the whole track. Hopefully we don't get shut down. But the very end of the minute, you'll hear like Will does the, oh, here's the modern version of the Elvin thing. And it's insane, so let's check it out. is that
1: (laughs) it's like that was uh if you guys do win the contest and get the ue6 pros you will know how badass that was because it just shook my entire head while wearing them that was bananas sound like some 18 inch floor toms going on there that was yeah i
0: mean i think that's a setup where he has the 18 inch kick on the left that's cranked up higher than a rack tom so there's some like double bass but it sounds like tom so yeah that's another one of my favorites so that's will calhoun
1: amazing well, I think that gives our audience tons to chew on and tons to look at, and it also shows all of you guys and gals that there's no one way to do a drum solo. you just have to do it, and it has to be an expression of who you are at that moment in time and a collection of of what you've been in the past and I, I think it's really cool to hear i mean to hear the difference between that and a Dave Weckel solo, yeah, know? right um, yeah, equally amazing yeah. Or hearing Terry Angoli improvise over quarter notes with his left hand. Right. <laughs> Equally amazing. And so there's room for everyone as long as it's true. If you're up there faking your way through a solo or playing someone else's ideas, people are going to hear it. But if you really want to be great at soloing and storytelling, you have to be as as original as possible. And it doesn't mean you have to be the best in the world. You just have to have something to say on the instrument. All right, so should we shift into checking out this kooky bop pad by Keith McMillan yeah, McMillan Instruments? It's all you, buddy. This is your wheelhouse, so you <laughs> you go. All right, so I did review this
0: in the June issue. We're actually about to release the July issue next week, I think. So we'll have a whole batch of new stuff to kind of chat through, but. This thing is really hard to describe, and I've had people ask me, like, should I get this bot pad? And my first question back to them is, what are you trying to do? If you just need something to hit a pad and have it trigger sounds and samples, it can do that. It's amazing at that, but there's other things that might be a little bit easier. Um, the bot pad is a USB controller, so it doesn't have any sounds. You have to plug it into your computer, and you have to use some sort of sound generator, Ableton Live or something like that. But what this thing does that a lot of pads don't do is it has touch sensitivity and it also can tell where you play on the pad, you know, from the center to the edge. And those parameters can control all sorts of stuff, effects, filters, reverb amounts, all kinds of delays. And there's four quadrants on the thing. So you can have four, four sounds or four, whatever you want to call it, four options per on the pad so it's kind of more like if you're into exploring crazier stuff to so think of like Zach Danziger's using these and the stuff that he's doing. Uh, it's kind of like if anyone had checked out the mandala drum that came out years ago, that was kind of like the, the version of this on steroids where it just did so many different things. And I don't think anyone can really wrap their head around it. It's what I use primarily in my studio when I'm just improvising because it's super crazy and cool. This is a little bit more focused, a little more controlled But I thought it was really neat that if you press on the pad, you can have the pitch go up. I mean, it does like all kinds of like neat little things that a normal sample pad won't do. Um, So I think this is one of those, if you're looking to get into weird stuff, this would be something to check out.
1: Well, give me a heads up on the dimensions. Like, it's hard to tell from the pictures what this thing is actually like. Uh, Is it thick is it no that's what's really cool about
0: kmi stuff is th- they use this fabric it's like a smart fabric it's just this white oh. fabric that 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 can tell how hard you're hitting it or touching it and where you're hitting it and where you're touching it so it's really thin it's really really lightweight I mean, you could fit it in a in a, a briefcase wow. easily and it's not heavy um, and it's really durable too so you can kind of you don't have to worry about breaking it it's not it's not like real you know, some sample pads are plastic and they can they can break off and stuff. But yeah, it's it's designed to be durable, um, lightweight. I think it's like eight inches. Is an eight inch pad? Yeah, it's an eight inch plane surface, but the whole pad is like ten inches.
1: Okay, so it's small too. Man. We are so lucky to have drums because anytime somebody says, Oh, yeah, it's an LED light, it's about 10 inches, I can visualize my rack, Tom. And I'm like, Right. Oh, it's way too small. I don't want that. Or, you know, how big is your medium pizza? 14 inches. Oh, it's a snare drum? Perfect. Bring it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Without true. our drum set, I would never know how big anything is. Uh, I'll take one Ludwig Acro Light with pepperoni. Thank you. Uh, so now, do we, do we have any sound of you using this thing? No, I didn't, because I didn't want to confuse anyone with,
0: like, you can get this exact performance with the bop pad, because you can't. It's totally up to how how deep can you dive into MIDI controllers and stuff within software. Um, But just to know that it can do, it can respond to all that stuff that, like, DJs and and sound designers are doing with, like, aftertouch and pitch bend and all this kind of neat stuff. So it's really kind of like whatever you can do. So I would say... Check out some recent Zach Danziger stuff and you'll see he's got these white pads on his kit and see what he's doing with them. He's controlling like video loops and glitch effects and all that stuff. Well, you know what
1: though? I mean, not (laughs) at some point, not everybody is just starting out with electronics and some people want to take things further. They want more control. That's yeah. Somebody just asked me yesterday, Did you get that Canon C200 for video for drum tutorials? I'm like, Well, (laughs) Yeah, I understand I could do them with my iPhone, but I've been doing these for 10 years. I want more control. So it is worth it to me to have something this crazy. And this sounds like the same thing for people like you and people like Zach that are trying to take this stuff further and want more control and more freedom. I think if you're bored, which is
0: hitting a multi-pad and getting one thing out of it, this is a good option because you can hit it, you can press in it and make it do something different. You can slide the stick around on it and make it do something different.
1: Wow, that's Uh, cool.
0: It's pretty neat. So that's the Keith McMillan Instruments Bop Pad. They have a a bunch of other kind of cool stuff stuff to check out too but that's the one specifically for drums it's only 200 bucks so it's pretty pretty affordable for a sample pad that's not a sample pad it's a midi controller don't have to be confused
1: (laughs) it's a midi controller awesome all right well let's uh dive into some quick listener questions all right getting a little long-winded here aren't we that was my passive-aggressive way (laughs) of saying your your question will be answered with a yes or no all right so i I think I have an answer for this, but you might be better to answer
0: this. So this is coming from Corey. He says, I have a question about uploading videos to Instagram. I noticed that after uploading my videos, the audio and videos start to gradually get out of sync as the video progresses. Though yep. when the video starts, everything looks good. Any idea on yep. what causes this and what I can do to fix it?
1: Absolutely. So what's causing it is your. they can only handle about 50 megs. Or 50 megabytes. So, if you're over that, their compression is going to eventually jack up your audio, especially if it's close to that minute mark. So, if you're doing decent video quality and maybe your file's at 65 megs or or 75 or whatever, you you need to get the app Repost Pro. Repost Pro. So, what you're going to do, if you're making decent quality videos, it's a long process, but it works. So, you make your video, export it out to your desktop. You're going to go from your desktop, put it up on Dropbox or something. Uh, You just need to get it onto your phone. So make sure when you're rendering your videos, you're rendering in a format that your phone can read. So I'll put it up on Dropbox in 1080p, download it to my phone. Then I go into the Repost Pro app and I open that video file. What Repost does is they encode your video in a way that instagram can read so they dumb it down for you they compress it for you and then you save it to your phone again in this mm. new compressed format right and then it'll be crystal clear the audio will stay locked the entire time and you won't have to deal with that I went through that for a long time, so that's I, I know that's probably a tough way to do it. But if you're doing Instagram videos at, at high quality, you're gonna have to. You're probably okay with doing that stuff, anyways. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've had that problem to me when I use iMovie. Like if if mm-hmm. I if I edit the movie on my desktop and I export it the right format and whatever, it's fine. But when I do it straight into iMovie on my phone, which is probably exactly what's happening, the file's just too mm-hmm. big. I never even thought about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're doing an iMovie and it's straight from your phone, and maybe your phone is set to 4K or anything, yeah, I mean, right. it could, even though it's on your phone, it could still be 100 megs easy. Right, and right. So, yeah, um, so there you go. Repost Pro, and you'll be set. All right, next one's from John. He, this is a,
0: a question that we've maybe not quite answered before. So, he says, How would you define punchy? Can you name something familiar or longer running drum kit lines that might be called punchy? Would that be a Yamaha Recording Custom, a Thomas Star Classic,
1: a Gretsch USA Custom, a Gretsch Renown, etc.? I think any drum set can be punchy based off tuning and, and yeah. head choice. Um, so, let's see. Well, what would be not punchy? Ringy? Um, yeah. So, I mean, long tones, no muffling. Yeah, Soft anywhere in attack. sight. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, I even think the way you play can be punchy, and the yeah. sticks you're
0: using. Yep. So, um, that's very true. Near yeah. Z is a very punchy player. No matter what he does, you're going to hear the attack like he's punching a slab of
1: meat every single right. time. It yeah, literally yeah. sounds punchy, like he's hitting something. And I would say. At least in solo settings, because I'm not a huge Wilco follower, but Glenn Kochi is not overly punchy, right? No, right. Yeah, you get some pretty soloist. legato sound. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so I think it just comes down. Yeah, I mean, if, I think the easiest way to think about it is wide open 24-inch bass drum, hit with medium intensity, not punchy. 20-inch kick with a pillow inside, hit with full force, punchy.
0: Yeah. Dig the beater in so there's little resonance. Yeah. yeah. I think think we kind of beat around it, but I think it means it has to have a strong attack and not a lot of resonance,
1: right? That would make it punchy. I didn't beat around it. No, Mike, I attacked it head on (laughs) like a freaking man, like somebody that went to CrossFit at 5 a.m. this morning, all right? All right, last one. Oh, man. This one's from Chris.
0: (laughs) He says, I recently bought a Rogers kit from the 70s, and the mounted 13-inch Tom is on a snare stand. This kills the sound of the drum. Um, and I solved it with putting it onto a cymbal stand. So his question is, do you ever experience this? And, and he says, I see a lot of drummers using snare
1: stands for the toms, so why is it not killing their sound? It's a good question. First of all, have you do you ever do I've never done the snare stand thing cuz I've always had 10 and 12 inch toms so I've never really I do all the time. Do I do a majority okay. of the time just cuz it's easy
0: for me to swap drums, easier for me to swap drums and when I'm playing these festivals it's a lot easier for me to set up a kit without having to have a cymbal stand with a tom arm mounted off of it and okay. so I just I do it all the time. The key for me is not clamping the basket down too tight. Um, hmm. also not clamping the basket down on the, I don't know what part of the hoop you would call that. Not all the way down. I, I clamp, I, I bring the okay. snare basket closed so it, it's sitting between the top flange and the, yep. whatever you call that, the hip. I think, <laughs> I think all
1: drummers can visualize what you're talking about. Yeah, so it just um, kind of
0: rests on top of that. That'll let it resonate more. And I also use the little booty shakers. They're like foam things that go over top of the, the rubber feet of the stand so it just suspends the drum i've experienced no issues with tone it definitely shortens the sustain a little bit but i kind of want that um right yeah i don't want it to just sing forever especially if there's a bunch of microphones and it's a big rumbly stage that just causes chaos for everyone Um, so i think it's probably something you perceive more from the kit than you do in front of the
1: kit quite honestly totally agree with that there it, that's something that we need to dive into someday is just the difference between being behind the kit and being in front of the drum set because yeah. it yeah. is a huge difference and the third thing is what are the microphones here versus what you hear uh, yep. so i think i think that's i think you're golden nice
0: So get some of those little booty shakers. Actually, Mm -hmm. that's going to be my pick of the week right now. I just changed it. I call an audible. My pick of the week is little booty shakers. You put them on the feet of the snare drum, or the basket of the snare drum stand, it will resonate fully. You'll never have that choking effect. I'm not trying to be silly. Are they actually called little booty shakers? They're called little booty, because they have booty shakers, which go on the floor tom legs to suspend the floor tom to increase the sustain. But the, they're called little booty shakers, little Velcro rubber things that just... I've seen them, yeah. Yep. And they're
1: I know great. they work great. They're great. I use yeah. them all the time, and they're awesome. I mean, we've been using that stuff for for uh, studio monitors in your studio. Yeah, you know, exactly. Put, so same same type of vibe. Makes a lot of sense. All right, well, we're jumping into pick of the week. Thank you guys for your questions. <laughs> uh, please send your questions into uh, podcast at Mike's Lesson, Modern Drummer.com. <laughs> Please send all of your emails into mdinfo at moderndrummer.com uh, and you can always send audio questions as well. My pick of the week is something that I don't think in our current world is music world is getting the attention it deserves and that is just the record label Ground Up Music started by Mike League from the band Snarky Puppy. There is so much amazing, amazing music coming out from this label that we would, without YouTube, we would never know this stuff existed because it wouldn't have a home on MTV. It wouldn't have a home on VH1 back in the day. It would find its way to the back corner of some aisle and tower records. But because of things like YouTube and Instagram and everything, we get this incredible music. If you haven't checked out one snarky puppy, please start there. But their bass player, Mike League, started the uh, the label Ground Up Music for Snarky and to then eventually sign other artists. And I would say out of their, I think they have about 18 artists on their roster that they've released albums for, I'd say a good four or five of them are in my top rotation of things I listen to. I'm always listening to Snarky. Um, I listen to uh, Seren Tip quite a bit. That was a pick of a week a while ago. Uh, Banda Magda, I think, is her name or her band's name, and she's amazing. Uh, David Crosby's got an album on there now. Amazing. Oh, no kidding! <laughs> yeah, Fork is on there. Amazing band. And if you haven't checked out Corey Henry, check out Corey Henry. He is an absolute monster. Um, so, so yeah. So, uh, ground up music. And if you want, if you want a place to start, just go to youtube.com/groundup. Uh, let me check. I'm pretty sure it's ground up ny. Sorry, it's Ground Up Music NYC. So YouTube.com/slash/groundupmusicnyc, and you'll see their whole roster of artists. And it's some of the just most creative music being released today. and, and a lot of it is the true definition of world music, where you can hear influences from all over the world, and you can't pin any of it down. And I love that. Yeah, dig it. I mean, they've created such a scene for themselves. It's amazing. Jesus. Don't they have their own festival now? The Ground Up yeah. Festival. Yeah, it's dude, amazing. it's unreal. Awesome. And I mean, they came here and played for the campers four, three or four years ago, and they were they were in twelve of them were in a van and trailer, one van, <laughs> yeah. one trailer, and <laughs> just to, just to see where they've gone. Where it's just like they've won two Grammys now, two or three Grammys. I mean, it's just unreal. Yeah, unreal. That's so undeniable. yeah, check yep. out ground up music and definitely follow Mike League what he's done for this entire scene of music is just impressive he's one of the most humble and kind and talented people I've ever met so
0: there you go all right all right so be on the lookout for the contest announcement hopefully by the time you listen to this it will be live or shortly thereafter we will be annoying you with it (laughs) throughout the next couple weeks Um, the plan is to have two weeks of chance to enter and then we'll draw the winner Uh, In a couple weeks. And we're going to end the show with Tony Pickler again, since we butchered his name so much. I figured let's drop him in again. Nice. All right. Have a good week, dude.
1: You too, buddy.